Jonah chapter 1. Thank you. Jonah chapter 4. Sorry. There we go. The Bible says, but it greatly displeased Jonah and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, what was not that was not this what I said while I was still in my own country. Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, and abundant in loving kindness and one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. The Lord said, Do you have good reason to be angry? All right. This is a largely packed passage, is it not? So, it greatly displeased Jonah. What greatly displeased Jonah, specifically? That they repented. Why did it greatly displease Jonah that they repented? Why did he hate them? (laughs) So, this morning, we are going to... I'll do my best to be very specific, very clear, and above all, very biblical in trying to understand, because the reality is, how do we know what Jonah was angry about? What was he so, what did he hate so bad? If you read Tim Keller's book, it's because he's a racist. That's what he says. But there's a historical context here that I think is extremely important. And the verse, do you realize, I don't know if you realize this, but did Jonah just quote Scripture in verse 2? These are not his words. These are God's words from Scripture. Exodus, exact to be exact couple other interesting tidbits before we get into the exposition of the text is we all know that Jonah was angry, right? Specifically, he was angry they repented. But let me ask you, was, was, was Jonah angry and that's why he didn't even go? Yes or no? What didn't he like about Nineveh? Why did he not want them to repent? Is it fair to say Jonah did not want Nineveh to repent. Absolutely. Why did Jonah then go and tell what God said to him? What did God say to him? Remember last week, it's very important. 
Was repentance part of the message that Jonah brought? No, it wasn't. From what we know of Scripture, God told Jonah, 40, this is what you tell them, 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's what was said. That's what was preached. Therefore, in good conscience, could Jonah preach that message? Matter of fact, he might have even liked that message. Because he did not like them at all. And I think it's fair to say he was probably even hated them. So why did Jonah hate Nineveh so bad? Well, maybe it's the same reason God hated Nineveh. And maybe it's because it's the same thing that Joel was dealing with, with Nineveh. Maybe the Bible does have the answers if we were to look at what it says. First of all, let's look at Jonah's evil. Jonah definitely hated, he was angry, Nineveh. He was angry that they repented. The peak episode here begins with the resumption of the motive of evil. It was displeasing to Jonah, greatly displeasing. What was displeasing? Well, we have to look at Jonah chapter 3, right? Where, jo where Jonah states that God relented concerning the disaster. He did not judge them as Jonah thought he should judge them. That is the essence of the anger, and that is without dispute. It's a fact. It's a biblical fact. But it's very interesting, the close relationship between God's relenting concerning the evil he had planned for Nineveh and the great evil that now afflicts Jonah. Matter of fact, there's a lot of evil going on here. That term. Matter of fact, let me ask you, was God angry with Nineveh? Yes or no? Absolutely. Chapter 1, right? He's angry with Nineveh, and he says, Jonah, I want you to get up, go over that great city. Its wickedness is before me. He's angry at it. How do we also we know he's angry? Chapter 3, verse 9. The king says, praise God that he, didn't, he relented, and his burning anger was not put against us. So God is angry at Nineveh. Jonah is angry because God didn't judge Nineveh. And to be, to be truthful here and, and abundantly clear, Jonah was angry at the wickedness of Nineveh also. That's why he didn't want to go in the first place. They're a wicked, nasty, horrible people. So we have this evil. So God relents of his evil in chapter 3, verse 9. Yes or no? Yes. And the evil is he's going to absolutely judge them. And by the way, 100 years later, he does. Because they go right back and do the same thing. 
But regardless, God is angry with them, and he's going to judge them. But instead of judging them, he relents of his evil. And because he relented of the evil judging, we'll call it evil. God's justice is always right, by the way. This is a righteous justice, if that would have happened, amen. It's a righteous justice to kill us, frankly. He's in his right any time to do any of that. But in the text, it's understood as evil. He had planned for Nineveh the great evil, this great judgment, and that evil now affects Jonah. Jonah, instead of relenting, is he is now angry because God didn't judge. It's almost, it's like, it's very similar to our growing up. How many of you have ever grown up? <laughs> when you had children in the home, or you were one of, them children, one of those children, it was, that's not fair. They got by with this, and I got spanked for that. Exactly. It happened to every one of us the same way. It was always somebody else that got by with something right? But we all did that, correct? How many did never did that? They were such a goody two-shoes. And if you say yes, you're a liar, right? The reality is that's exactly, the, that's exactly what Jonah's doing. Hey, listen, these guys are wicked. You already told me they're wicked. They're nasty. They're horrible. You're going to judge them, and then you don't? It's the same thing Habakkuk just did. He says, listen, why in the world are they here? This isn't right. You promised us a kingdom. It isn't here. And these guys are flourishing. These wicked enemies of yours are flourishing. Why? It's the same thing going on with Jonah. He hated them because of their wickedness. And now he's angry at God because if he were God, he would make sure they were judged. If I was my mom or dad, I'd make sure they got punished. How many see the similarities practically? Okay, it's very easily seen, these practical aspects. God's clemency is the source of the unbearable offense. Jonah in his heart, knew, and he even talks about it later in the text, that, yeah, I knew you were going to do this. And I didn't want you, I didn't want to see these guys repent. I wanted to see them judge because, why? Well, because you promised us the kingdom, and in order to have a kingdom, these enemies have to be dealt with, and this enemy is attacking your kingdom, and you, yeah, you're still letting them prosper. I don't get it. Exactly. Exactly. It doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem like you're following through on your promises. Because what you promised me isn't happening. And matter of fact, you want me to help make it not happen by letting them repent. This is about me, not them. I'm glad no, none of us do that at all. 
How many of you ever used the phrase, that's not fair? Every one of us have. Jonah's doing the same thing at this moment. That's not fair. They're wicked. They need to be judged. Judge them. Judge them. Well, let's look at this evil that is talked about in the text. Let's just look at this evil throughout the book. Nineveh's evil prompted God to threaten evil upon the city. Judgment. Nineveh repented of their evil. God graciously relented from the evil that Nineveh was so richly deserved. God's relenting of the evil against Nineveh drives Jonah to evil. <laughs> Do you see all this back and forth going on? That's exactly what the text is saying. Interesting, everyone is relinquishing evil except for Jonah. Matter of fact, we're going to see it with Jonah, and I'm going to get ahead. I'm not going to get ahead. Stop it. I'm going to go what I have instead of jumping ahead. Jonah is clearly angry that God allowed Nineveh to repent and be saved from his, God's, destruction. The common question why Jonah is upset is not answered in the text. The only fair reason to attribute a motive of his anger against Nineveh is related to Scripture. If it's not found in Scripture, it's a guess. It has to be found in Scripture. Ruthless, this, so Jonah's anger against Nineveh, the motive for it has to be related to Scripture. Nineveh, that ruthless enemy of Israel with barbaric actions. Jonah's first prophecy about Israel's greatness of its border and how they defeated the enemies of God. That was his first prophecy. We find that earlier. We've been through that. And God's promise of a peaceful Israel. Did God promise those prophets? Did they know full well God's going to give us a kingdom of peace? Yes or no? Absolutely. 100%. And that was their love. They were all looking forward to that king that will make that happen. Amen? And by the way, they were all looking forward to the king that would make that happen. Not the people that would make that happen. I'm just going to be honest here. If you're going to be an eschatological uh, Karen, then you better look at the Old Testament and it says that the Israelites were waiting for Christ to set up the kingdom. So if you want to be a replacement theologian, then look at those verses that say Christ is going to set up the kingdom, not you. Be faithful to the text. Now, replacement theology is wrong in my opinion, but to use your own words... Read back into the text and let that decide what your eschatology is going to be as far as Christ coming to set up his kingdom, not you. So we need biblical text. We find biblical text in what Jonah already prophesied. We find biblical text in what Joel is dealing with. 
and how that eventually Nineveh was destroyed because God's judgment came upon them because they just went back and acted the same way, we also need to look at the historical context. The historical context tells us how horrendously evil and anti-God Nineveh was. So look at the text. That's called the grammar of the text. Here are the words. Look at the texts. We've done that. The historical context has to be understood. And you cannot find a historian who says anything good about Nineveh. Zero. They were barbarics. They were Hamas. They were horrendous. Apart from those two things that we have, Scripture and historical context, and Scripture always trumps that, amen. In history, can it be wrong? Sure. If everybody says this is the way it was and nobody says anything different, you've got to rely on that. History tells us that they were horrendously evil and anti-God. Apart from those two, you're simply guessing at the motives. There is nothing else. You're implementing something in there that's not in the text or in the historical context. Mr. Keller was dead wrong. He used the woke movement of the day to sell a book. <laughs> and because some big guru did it, a lot of other people followed and realized, hey, this works. One thing is for sure. Jonah's disgust, and I don't know how to even use this word because I made this word up and I spelled it. Disgustiness against Nineveh and their wickedness and that God re they repented and God forgave them reveals that Jonah has major heart problem. And his heart problem isn't with Nineveh. His heart problem is with God. Did you follow that? His heart problem is with God. God, you didn't do what I thought you should do. You should have judged them and you didn't. Everybody knows they should have been judged because of their wickedness. That, that's, that's a given. It's throughout all the texts that deal with Nineveh. The issue with Jonah is ah, you didn't do and you did not judge the wickedness and I knew you wouldn't because you're a God of compassion and no matter what people are, no matter what people have done, you will still repent or you will still forgive. By the way, isn't that a great truth that we can hold on to today? But here's little Jonah, Christian Jonah, 
sitting in his pew, looking at other people's sin, they deserve judgment. Get them, God. Jonah, you deserve judgment because you are no better than them. How many follow that? That is the issue here. It is the issue. Jonah, in his self-righteous pity party, which you're going to, we're going to read the next few weeks, Jonah's self-pity shows that he is a legalistic punk. And he thinks he's better than anybody else. And when they don't get the judgment, well, you were wrong. Okay, Jonah, let's do this. And I'm going to get to this again back in the text, but let me just say this. Did Jonah disobey God? Yes or no in chapter 1 and 2? Absolutely. Did he deserve judgment and Sheol for disobeying God? But God saved him. And immediately, immediately, he gets there. God does the same thing to the people he doesn't like because of their wickedness. And he says, God, you blew it. Okay, then he blew it with you too. You see the inconsistencies here. But we do the same thing. You don't understand. They're doing this and they're doing that. and they're, What are you? That's exactly what Jonah is, the story of Jonah practically is giving us. So to press, like I ended, I'll start where I ended. God's forgiveness of the Ninevites and Jonah's anger that God did that reveals Jonah's sin is in his heart. It is fair to say that Jonah's hatred of Nineveh is no different than when we hate other people. And I will tell you, well, in just a little bit, I'll get there. I actually write it better, therefore when I, when I jump ahead, I lose some of the stuff. How many understand? <laughs> I get excited and I just, I know what's coming up and I can't wait to tell you the end of the story. So to press a motivation of why Jonah did what he did is outside the purpose of the text, by the way. It's outside the purpose. It's the purpose is he was angry at God. He was angry at Nineveh. And he was, he was a religious Karen. That's exactly what he was. We're not going to know dogmatically the motivation of why Jonah did what he did outside the purpose of the text. And the text, from what we understand, is they were wicked. God was angry with them. Jonah was angry also. It is, it's their wickedness. Although we can't be extremely dogmatic, anything else isn't found in the text at all. I don't know if that makes sense. But to learn from Jonah and how God tried discipling him, disciplining him, and helping him to repent is certainly worth our while, is it not? Jonah was so hurt, so disillusioned, upset, 
angry, mad, fill in the blanks with other pejoratives that we have against others. That sometimes our reactions from a spur-of-the-moment emotional outburst, we would say, I hate you. I hope you rot in, you can fill in the blanks. I'm just angry with them. Here's a better way. Drive in Minneapolis and you will hear those words from your own mouth. How many understand what I'm saying? There's not a one person in this room who has not been angry with somebody else. And would be angrier if the subject of that anger didn't get their just due. How many of you are upset that you are paying to rebuild Minneapolis? Does that make you upset? To, to a certain group, that makes you a racist. The reality is, they did the damage. They did the wickedness. They did the, the, what was wrong. They should pay for it. True? Color has nothing to do with it. They were wrong. They're not going to. But that's justice. The chapter addresses this issue about people being wicked and not seemingly during our lifetime getting their just due. But I will tell you, within 100 years, they got their just due. God wiped them off. This chapter addresses that issue by God teaching and admonishing Jonah. That's what this chapter is all about. Verse 1, Jonah, he became angry. The whole book clearly states that Jonah had a burning anger against Nineveh. There's no question about that. And for God to forgive them was simply beyond the pale. And that is what, and here's the word. Here's the word that's important to read. It's in the text. The word means it infuriated him. It made him, some of your translations have angry, infuriated. It literally means to burn with anger. What is abundantly true is God was also angry with Nineveh. In chapter 3, verse 9, you can read it yourself. Look it back at the passage and look to Joel when God annihilates them because of the same wickedness. This word, anger at Nineveh, is not only a Jonah thing, it is a God thing. It's the exact same word that is used in both verses. So whatever you attribute Jonah to, you have to attribute who? God to that. Whatever motivation you're saying that Jonah's angry with them, God's angry too. It's the same word. His anger was so burned against them that he's willing to judge them and annihilate them, which he does. Just not in Jonah's timing. God was also angry with Jonah. Look to Joel when God annihilates them because of their same wickedness. Because God was angry with their wickedness. This word that is used to depict Jonah, angry, to burn, is the exact same word that is attributed to God in chapter 3, verse 9. That his burning anger 
will not see us perish. Hopefully God will turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. If God and Jonah were both angry with the wickedness in Nineveh, they have to be equated somehow and frankly is somehow not sinful to burn against a wickedness of Nineveh. It can't be wrong. Is God's anger ever wrong? It has to be a righteous anger against the wickedness of Nineveh. There's no sin there. There's nothing wrong there. In essence, God and Jonah both had a burning anger against Nineveh and their great wickedness. This was a righteous anger. In essence, if you believe that Jonah's motivation sin was and just fill in the blank of that sin because he was angry against the Ninevites, one must conclude that God was guilty of the same fill in the blanks. It is not Jonah's anger against the Ninevites that God is going to address though. There's not an Israelite who wasn't angry at Nineveh. Jonah is going to be disciplined, not for that anger, but for his anger against God. That's what Jonah is going to get disciplined for. It's Jonah's arrogance and belief in what he would do if he were God. Well, guess, here's a newsflash. You and I aren't God, and Jonah was not God. God is a God of mercy and justice. We are a people who demand justice when others affect us all the time. God's grace forgave Nineveh for their wickedness. God's grace forgave Jonah for his disobedience. Somehow, Jonah felt okay with his reception of grace and mercy from God, but Nineveh, no, that was beyond the pale. Nineveh did not deserve that same grace and mercy. Let me ask you, do we as Christians do the exact same thing? There is no way on earth that Hitler should be get saved. Right? Oh, who was it, that, that man-eating person in the jail? What was his name? Bundy. There's, there's accounts that J Bundy came to know the Lord in jail. Some of that makes your tummy turn upside down. That's Jonah! That's what Bundy needs is the Lord. Amen. It's just interesting, and I think it's highly ironic, that God's grace forgave Nineveh for their wickedness. God's grace forgave Jonah for his disobedience. But somehow Jonah felt that it was okay for him to receive grace and mercy but Nineveh should never receive grace and mercy. I will tell you this. To be angry over others' sin and no regard for one's own sin is extreme legalistic wickedness. Did you hear that? To be angry over others' sin, which Jonah was, and no regard for one's own sin, which Jonah didn't have. He never said repentance once in his whole prayer to God. 
is extremely legalistic wickedness. I wrote it on Facebook last night because it's just so, it hits the nail on the head. It is exactly what this whole book is about. If we think we are more godly than other people, we have just been proven otherwise. Absolutely. We're no more godly than anyone else. We're sinners. Finish the sentence, please. Saved by grace. And that grace is free. And that grace is God giving to the most nastiest people in the world that mercy and grace. Do anybody deserve God's grace and mercy? Absolutely not. Then who do we think we are? We can tell God who to give grace and mercy to. What a putrid religion that would be. God's merciful. God mercified his wrath. There's another word I made up, sorry. But God mercified his wrath. Jonah kindled his wrath. Do you see that? God said, yes, I was angry with you because your wickedness, but I'm relenting because you have asked for forgiveness. And I'm a merciful God. Does God then, does his mercy outdo his justice? No, 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 no. He says it from day one. If you, for, if you repent, I forgive. Anybody can repent. And God will forgive any one of them. As Youngblood states, the reader is again reminded of how out of step Jonah is. He is so godly in his own eyes that he's telling God what to do. How many say, whoa? We do it all the time. We do it all the time. I will tell you, the closer you get to Christ, the more you realize how often we really do this. We are not gods. The Mormons have it wrong. Amen? We are not gods, nor will we ever be gods. We are children of the God. Servants of the God. Ambassadors of the God. We serve Him. He doesn't listen to us for instruction. Jonah kind of has that all mixed up at this moment. The event that calmed God's wrath is the same event that provoked Jonah's wrath. His little pity party under the old oak tree, right? <laughs> All right, why? Verse 2. Why was jo Jonah, Jonah gives his reasoning. Why was Jonah so angry? Why, why did he do this? Well, in this text specifically, Jonah's angry because <coughs> God didn't judge them. 
and he knew it was going to happen. What does he say? Jonah prays again. By the way, just like he prayed in chapter 2, he's going to pray now in chapter 4. He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? He knows his theology well. He would be a professor of a seminary if he lived today. Because why? Look what he says. Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. I knew what you were going to do, so I ran away from you. For I knew that you are a gracious and a compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. He adds that, by the way. And by the way, here's the cool thing. Jonah's not the only one who adds that. Relents from calamity or judgment. Does anybody know another author in the Bible that says the same thing Jonah does for a different reason? Anybody want to take a guess? It involves Nineveh, by the way. The book of Joel. Joel says the same thing, except this time it is, God, don't use the Assyrians to destroy Judah. Relent of your calamity in judging us, Judah. Because why? You are a Gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant life. Who, who said that? Does anybody know who originally said that? If you say Jonah, don't raise your hand and say Jonah because I don't want to embarrass you. It's not Jonah. Anybody else have an idea who it was that said it? Pardon? The king? Okay, the king asked for his gracious mercy, absolutely, but it's before that. This exact wording is somewhere else in the Bible. And it's multiple places in the Bible. Other prophets used it. But one person started it. It's an exodus. That'll help you. Moses. When? When Moses was pulling a Jonah. Right? <laughs> Here's Moses coming down, and what are they doing? They got the golden calf. Oh, they use their brain to do this, and I will, it's okay. Is that what Moses did? What did he do? Let me ask you this. Did Moses get angry? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because of their what? Their wickedness. They were absolutely wicked against God. And what did he do the first time? He, he threw the tablets down. <clears throat> okay, I'll, I won't even go into the throwing the tablets down, but regardless, he threw the tablets down and busted them all up, right? But then God got involved. Not that he wasn't involved before, but now God got involved in their face. And what did God say he was going to do? Wipe them out. Because God's, and it's the same word Jonah did, God did here, same word, burned within him. Wipe them out. And this was Moses' plea. God, you're a God of graciousness. Is that true? Yes. Compassionate, love, yes, are true. 
Yes, it's true. Slow to anger. That's true. Abundant in loving kindness. He didn't say one who relents concerning calamity, judgment. But by the time we get to the minor prophets, we, they have a pattern going on. How many see this? There's a pattern of God has shown them that he does relent of the calamity. Joel does the same thing Jonah does, except jo Joel, and I'm, this is hard to explain all this, Joel is saying, God, have mercy on Judah. They are your children. You're a God of compassion. You're a God of loving kindness, and you're a God that will relent your judgment. Please do that. Did he do that? Did he relent in judging Judah? Let me ask you, was Judah eventually judged? Absolutely. The timing will not be ours. It's always his. But God will get his just rewards, right? He will discipline as he chooses. No one's going to dictate that. Jonah said, he relented in your judgment. The judgment I wanted, you relented in. Joel says, please relent in your judgment. The judgment he didn't want. So both men, both prophets are using the same language. How many get this? It's very interesting, is it not? And they're using the language all the way back from Moses to deal with this. So, <clears throat> And then he says, slow to anger, therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better than life. So we have two prayers. First prayer of Jonah was praising God for his mercy to himself. The second prayer of John, Jonah is attacking God for his mercy on others. Think of that. One chapter removed from each other, he takes a whole chapter, thank you for saving me. Then he gets to chapter 4, I'm angry at you for saving them. <laughs> it's the exact issue. Does Jonah think he is better than them? He does. He absolutely does. Because they're wicked people and I'm not. Jonah, you are. You blatantly disobeyed God. That is wickedness. Who's to say their wickedness outweighs your wickedness? God does. You're not God. Do we need to understand these principles, you and I? Absolutely. Absolutely. We need to. He says, we beg of you. In verse 14... Please, Lord, verse 2, compared to the mariners. Yeah, I'm sorry, I jumped ahead accidentally this time, though. Please, Lord, verse 2. Please, Lord. Was not this what I was talking about, and he's angry about it. It's exactly the same thing the mariners do with the right attitude. Please, Lord, we beg of you, it says in verse 14 of chapter 1. We earnestly pray. We beg of you, Lord, don't hold his death on our account because we know it's wrong and that's wicked. Right? Same thing. So, so here we have these mariners, these ungodly pagan mariners, mariners knowing 
honestly, murder's wrong, and we don't want to do this. Please don't put this on our account that we're going to do this. And then you have Jonah, who is the prophet of God, who says, why did you not judge them? Look how terrible they are compared to me. And, and God's sitting here, have you just looked at the last two chapters? Right? Don't tell me what's wickeder and wickedest. You're all a bunch of wicked people. This is, this is the attitude here. This is what's being expressed. Expressed. It was understandable in the context of the mariner's prayer as they petitioned God in the midst of a violent storm because they knew murder was wrong. But it is absolutely out of place in Jonah's complaint over Nineveh's deliverance and is an ironic twist to understanding the theological gravity of Jonah as a whole, the book, that is. What proved to be a crisis to the mariner was not treated as a crisis by Jonah who slept through the storm. Yeah, I'm disobeying God. I'm doing exactly opposite of what he said. Oh, well, I'm going to sleep. That doesn't bother you, Jonah? Do you think that's not wicked? He must not have. He's content. Until he's not <laughs> thrown overboard, right? What proved to be the crisis to the mariners was not treated as a crisis by Jonah. Jonah for Jonah, Nineveh's salvation is the true disaster. We finally get some answers to Jonah's initial flight. Jonah did not want Nineveh to repent. He wanted God to destroy them for their wickedness. Absolutely. Jonah begins his explanation with a rhetorical question. Was not my concern while I was in my what? Was that, it's in the text, was this not my concern while I was in my homeland? The author is about to reveal the key theological issue of the book and doesn't want his readers to miss it. Because of your mercy, therefore I hasten to flee to Tarshish. I wanted to get in front of what you were going to do. Jonah literally is being condemned by his own words. His use of the verb here is, is interesting. I fled east when you told me to go west. That's the idea. And this is a heated exchange between God and Jonah here. Jonah's issue, literally, the anger specifically that we're talking about today is not his anger against Nineveh. It's, it's his issue is with God's character. Jonah is questioning God's character. Jonah's complaint finally exposes the root issue underlying his conflict with God. Jonah is upset with God. It is sin, and, and the question is, is it sin to question God? Yes or no? Is it sin to disobey God? Yes or no? So let me ask those two again. Is it sin to question God? Yes or no? The answer is no. Habakkuk did it 
Daniel, David did it. Moses did it. Job did it. There are plenty of people. The issue is to disobey God is sin, correct? Now, can you question God in that? Are you, are you uh, placing yourself higher than God? If that's how you're questioning him, obviously that's it. But to question God, I don't understand God. Why are you doing this? How many understand that? Why? And that's exactly, there's nothing wrong with that. But Jonah took it a step farther. You're wrong, God. It wasn't, why are you doing this? It's, you're wrong. There's a difference there. So, I want to I attack this question. Oh, my goodness. I want to attack this question. I think it's very important. Is it sin to question God? An issue is not whether we should question God, but in what manner we question God. The question God is not to question God is not in and of itself wrong. The prophet Habakkuk, that's why I had it read today, questioned God concerning the timing and the agency of his plan. He didn't understand. God, you gave us this kingdom and it was to be a peaceful kingdom and you'd root out all the enemies, you'd destroy them and you were going to be our God and we will be your people in peace and we're not. Why? Jonah is the same thing. This is our enemy. Why aren't you destroying them? I don't understand this. It makes no sense to me. And by the way, there are many, I'll give you a plethora of them. Psalm chapter 10, chapter 44, chapter 74, chapter 77, Jeremiah 33, Matthew chapter 7, all of these, Hebrews, Psalm, <laughs> Romans 8, all of these are dealing with, in one sort or another, questioning God. There's a right way to question Him. And to be honest, why aren't you here yet, Lord? Why are the Democrats in charge, Lord? I mean, they, they, they are against, or they're for, slaughtering babies. They're for people not wanting to be what God designed them to be. And you're aiding and abetting that. Why are you doing this? There's nothing wrong with questioning. It, the, what's wrong is I'm angry that you put them in charge. Do we get it? Jonah was on the wrong side of that problem. At its heart, this conflict was about Jonah's perception of an imbalance in the divine character. He certainly did not understand how God would have mercy on such a wicked, nasty people. Divine judgment was eclipsed by indiscriminate mercy. Did you get that? That's super important. Divine justice was eclipsed by indiscriminate mercy in his mind. God, you're a God of judgment, you're a God of mercy. You have mercy on us because we're good little boys and girls, and they're bad little boys and girls, and they deserve the judgment part. Interestingly, I have always believed that Jonah could not understand God's promise of a peaceful kingdom for Israel because I, I've just said that, and yet lends mercy to Israel's enemy. It just doesn't make sense. This week, as I read from a commentary on Jonah, I wanted to give you this statement because this is exactly what I was trying to express, and I have a hard time sometimes expressing it. From Jonah's point of view, the clemency God showed Nineveh 
jeopardize God's covenant with Israel, which created a conflict of interest between his promises to Israel and the breadth of his mercy. That is so well written. How many? I'll read it again because it's so well written. <clears throat> From Jonah's, Jonah's point of view, the clemency God showed Nineveh, or the mercy God showed Nineveh, which Jonah's angry at, jeopardizes God's promises to Israel, which created a conflict of interest between the promises, God, you gave me and the breadth of the mercy that you have upon everyone. That is so good. It gets to the very heart of what Jonah's problem was. Pride. I'm your child. You promised me this, and I'm not going to get this because you are giving them that. Does that make sense? It's exactly the issue. I just had to put that in there because it's, it's, it's so well written compared to my mumbling and stumbling over these things. Interesting, Jonah expresses fr frustration with God's character in terms of divine attributes first articulated, and here's the verse that we've been talking about but haven't really got to yet. And we're going to end here because we are out of time. He first articulated the exact same thing in Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 through 7. Moses did. And I will tell you, God's hand of mercy was upon Moses to actually say that. Because what he came down and saw was complete lewdness, and nasty wickedness. How many of times have we as a parent come down and you just, I can't believe you guys did that. Oh, get out of my sight. How many have ever said that? Don't raise your hand. Get out of my sight. I don't even want to deal with this. It's so bad. Well, that was nothing compared to what Moses came down and saw. And instead of being angry and said, get rid of them all, he said, you're a God of compassion, loving kindness, mercy, and these are your children. And what did God do? I will not judge them as I said I would the first time. He forgave them. All right. How are you putting all these things together? I think it's awesome. And the reason I think it's awesome is because I don't want to roast Jonah or anybody in here. How does that impact my life? How many times do I feel like I'm getting the short end of the deal? I'm not the one doing this, and yet you do that. That's not fair. That's not right. It's exactly what Jonah's doing here. He literally is going to pout. Why? Two reasons. Why is he going to pout? 
I've tried to lay it out, and there's a lot there. He's going to pout because the kingdom he was promised isn't coming soon. Because the mercy God gave to the enemies is going to hinder that. That's not fair. Well, it's God's way of saying, this is what's going to happen. Embrace it and serve Him. Right? I want you to say this does, those principles are absolutely clear in this text. Absolutely clear. We aren't all that we think we are. One statement and I will close. Because this goes, I, I tried to get to the heart of the issue over and over and over again. I'll get it one more time, all right? And then, Mr. Zarin, would you mind coming up here and praying? Thank you. <clears throat> if we think we are more godly than other people, we have just been proven otherwise. That's exactly what Jonah was dealing with. Amen? Mr. Zarin, can you close, please? Father, this book of Jonah can be very difficult. And Father, too many times superficial reading of it gives us wrong impressions. But I know, Father, that when we started in this book, I kind of rebelled against the fact that in this story I'm dealing with some cups. But Father, as we look into this, we realize how much like Jonah we really are. Father, help us to go into the world with a heart full of love to those who are lost. And Father, let just continue to give them the gospel as they might be saved.